I have kind of checked out as far as the news goes, um, and, uh, and honestly, that's been a good thing in some ways, maybe not so good in some others. Um, but uh, this last week, I was so reminded of and wanted to speak towards, um, because if, if, you're, if you're like me, you're, you, know, you might be depressed um, in some of the things that uh, it just seems like our, our nation gets to this tipping point and we're on a slippery slope. And, and we've been on this slippery slope for a lot of years, but we might be in a free fall. I, I, I don't know. But this I know, um, my hope does not lie in our nation. Our hope, my hope does not lie in the leadership of this nation. My hope does not lie in the Democratic Party. My hope does not lie in the Republican Party. My hope does not lie in any of those parties. My hope lies in the hope, the only hope of this nation and the only hope of any nation is Jesus. And it is time that the church, yes, it is time. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. If your hope is anywhere other than that, I guarantee you, um, it's going to be some rough days for you. But here's the thing. Jesus is the hope of this nation. And he has a delivery system. It is a movement of people. It is called the church. It is his option A, his option B, his option C. It is his only option. He has chosen. Why he has chosen this, I don't know. I'll ask him someday. But he has chosen the church to be his vehicle of a movement of people who would share the story of his death, burial, and resurrection and the forgiveness of sin for all mankind. And so it just seems appropriate to me that we would be talking about the church. And if you're new to the crossing, every January we just kind of take a time out and, uh, and kind of talk to the insiders, who, those that would consider themselves insiders to this, to this church. And, if, and so if, you're, if you wouldn't consider yourself an insider yet or maybe you're on the fence and maybe you're, you know, you're not even sure how you got drug in here, um, or how you got, you know, someone's like, hey, sit down, you're going to watch this. Um, but, uh, you know, this is great for you, because you could be like a fly on the wall and listen to some insiders as we all try to get on the same page, because if we're, if we're going to actually do anything together, we need to be on the same page where we're all pulling in the same direction um, at the same time. And, uh, and to, to be doing our part in this nation and a part of this world. And so um, this insider you know, uh, movement that, that, that we have or this conversation that we have, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, and, and probably not. It's just guys like me, and you know, you've, you've got children to raise and jobs to go to and, and, and stuff to do. But um, I just find it interesting that you could probably only name two people of the of the millions of people who Rome crucified, you could probably only name two. Jesus and who else? Anybody? Online? Anybody online? Can't hear you. Come on. Oh, I think I heard it from a living room. Spartacus. Um, did you not did did you have Hershey history? I'm sorry to, I can't even remember who my history teacher was. But anyway, okay, <clears throat> Spartacus. 
Spartacus, and they, Rome crucified Spartacus in 71 BC, and uh, we know a lot about Spartacus. Spartacus, um, he, he kind of gathered and had a slave rebellion. So Rome had millions and millions of slaves, and one of the things that scared Rome half to death was that these, these slaves would all kind of get together and, and, and then have a movement against Rome, and they wouldn't be able to stop him. And so Spartacus, he was actually a gladiator, and uh, he led this, this slave rebellion. It was almost successful, actually, but then slaves squashed it, and then all of the people who were following Spartacus, they crucified them all the way from the battlefield down the road as far as they could all the way back to Rome as a statement to say, don't mess with Rome. Don't mess with us. And so, you know, Roman historians wrote a lot about Spartacus because it was a, it was a record of, hey, you mess with us, this is, what, this is what's going to happen to you. And so we know a lot about Spartacus, and, uh, and it's the reason, you know, some of us have, have remembered him. But some of you, you only remember one, a carpenter from Nazareth, <laughs> a hole in the wall. From Judea, the armpit of the Roman Empire. I mean, it's just, how in the world, with the message that he died on a cross and he rose from the dead, really? I mean, that's your, I mean, that's impossible. So how in the world did that, did that message, how in the world did Jesus, who was one of, of all kinds of people who Rome crucified, how did his message make it out of the first century? I mean, and you, you, you read historians' accounts, and you're just like, yeah, that, that doesn't really explain it. I mean, it's just, it's miraculous. It, it, there's, there's no other word for it besides the fact that it's miraculous, that, that it actually made its way out of Rome. In fact, it became the official uh, religion of Rome. It's just, it's phenomenal. There's the, the, only, the only explanation for it is that there was an incredible outward movement of people. The early church understood that it had nothing to do with a building, that it had nothing to do with tradition, it had nothing to do with liturgy, it had nothing to do with a hierarchy, it had nothing to do with all of the things that we try to make it about. And it was incredible. And so... The thing that, that happens with, with the church and, and really any organization, if you own a business, you fight against this as well, but the church maybe especially fights against this, where it starts as being outward focused, and over time, over time, it, it just, the gravitational pull, it's like there's something that is pulling us to, to begin to be insider focused, to where we're, we're focusing on trying to keep you know, everyone on the inside happy and, 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 and doing things and, and and, and focusing on everything that's inside rather than being outward focused. And it gets all sorts of weird when that happens. And I, I, I'm sure all of you, if you've grown up in church, you have some stories. And if you had the mic, you could share your story. Um, I grew up in church. I'm 48. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 48. And I've been, to going, I've been going to church for 48 years and nine months. And so that's how long... I've been going to church. Um, <clears throat> I was learning about it in the womb. And so here's some things that, that some stories that I've had. It's like, this is, this is one of them right here. 
Um, <clears throat> this wooden box, I don't, I don't know, many of you that grew up in church, you, you, you know, you remember the wooden box. Um, they called it the pulpit. But apparently, because one time we wanted to take the wooden box off of the stage and just preach without it. <laughs> no, no, no. That wooden box represents the Word of God. So if you move the wooden box, you're preaching, you know, from something other than the Word of God, apparently. I mean, apparently you can't preach about the Word of God without a wooden box, standing behind a wooden box. And it was always oak. I don't know why that was. I don't know if that's God's favorite wood. But anyway, it was always oak. And, 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 and this wooden box, apparently, it just, it just was like, why can't we, why do we have to stand behind a wooden box? I mean, we had to stand behind a wooden box. I talked about this the last, I don't know, several weeks. In, in, in one of the churches I was a part of, um, guess which one of these chairs was the preacher's chair? You want to talk about a hierarchy? You want to talk about a little bit of weird? It's almost like, see, these are three different levels. This is like the closest to God. This is the preacher. This is the next closest to God. He was probably either the music director or the Sunday school coordinator. And whichever one of them arm wrestled or knew and memorized enough scripture, you know, they got that one and the other one was the last one. He wasn't quite as close. It's just like, that's weird. In the first century, that wouldn't have made any sense whatsoever. I remember another time when when uh, we were uh, on stage, I was leading worship one time, and, uh, and this guy, we, we, we did the worship set. At the end of it, we were going to have a, a video, so I, you know, it was back in the day when at the back of the auditorium, the auditorium was different than this. It was like narrow and like forever long. You had to have binoculars if you were in the back, and, uh, and, and all the light switches, there was about 25 of them, you know, you remember that back then? It was like impossible to do lights back then. But there was a guy on the outside row, and uh, I asked him if he would hit the lights. His, his response to me was, do I look like the janitor? <laughs> See, that's what happens when you're not on a movement anymore. It's like, <laughs> I'm just here for the service, because that's all church is to me. I mean, church isn't a movement of people that are on a mission together, trying to accomplish something. I just come on Sunday, I check the box, I'm good. And that's what it begins to look like. Another time we had, uh, you remember the church choir? Fuse, any, any of you grow up in a church with, with the choir? Um, <clears throat> So one of the times I, I uh, was a part of this church and, and they had these, these pews for the choir and they had like this, uh, this fence. I don't know what you called it. It was, it was a wooden fence in front, of the, in front of the choir pews. I'm assuming um, for, the, for the ladies when they sat down, I'm guessing that's what that was all about. I'm not sure. But anyway, it had this fence and uh, we needed more room on the stage I couldn't even remember the last time there had been a choir, and there was no choirs that we knew of that were going to be, you know, in the near future. So we were like, could we get the pews off of the stage so we could have more room on the stage? 
don't you dare touch those. Don't know. No, no. Don't touch those. Why, why not? Apparently they were holy. I, I don't know. So, so here's what we did. We took one off and we kind of moved the fence back one row at a time. And over time, we finally eliminated them all. I don't, and we just did it slowly. We did it slowly. Another church, we were wanting to remodel um, in, the, in, the, in the building. But here's the thing. It was full of stained glass windows. And every stained glass window had a, a, a gold plaque of the person who donated the money for that window. Oh, that's dangerous. And then every pew had a golden plaque for every single person who had donated the money for that pew. So when it came time to remodeling the building, could we, could we take those? No, <laughs> they donated the money. That family donated. We can't move that pew. Oh, so in other words, let's not accomplish the mission that God has given us because we might, you know, have to remove something that somebody is sitting on. And you, and you, certain, you can't re- remove the stain. The stained glass windows, they're beautiful, aren't they? They are. They're so beautiful, they keep us from being on mission. So we just kind of, there's this gravitational pull where where we're outward focused at the beginning, but all of a sudden we start doing some things that kind of make us become inward focused and we get all sorts of weird and 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 those stories you have some stories of your own in fact I would imagine some of your stories you know bumped you out of church for a long time maybe your parents got a divorce and the church didn't know how to deal with that and so you know either your mom or dad they they ended up leaving the church and it was all a debacle and all of a sudden you're just like forget it we're out of here so the thing that, that I think can help us indicate whether, whether we're becoming kind of this inward-focused church is the way that we pray. The way that churches pray is an indication of, you know, how far we have strayed. How a church prays indicates whether it has strayed. And so... One of the things I would, uh, you know, have you ever taken inventory? Have you ever paid attention to what you pray about? I mean, in 2020, 2020, if you took inventory, um, you know, of of your prayers, who do you you think would be the beneficiary of that? I mean, if you took inventory, basically, you know, all of us Americans, I'll tell you what you pray about because you pray about the same things I pray about. Um, Basically, we pray about three things. Ourselves our family, and one or two or three sick people. And yeah, there's some exceptions, and there's some, you know, you know, for short periods of time, maybe this big thing comes along, and, you know, we, we, but for the most part, we pray for ourselves, we pray for our family, and we pray for, well, one, two, three sick people. See, <clears throat> who is at the center of your prayers? Me. You, right? We are at the center of our own prayers. We, you know, if, if, if we took inventory of who, who would be better off at the end, if God had said yes to every single one of your prayers, 
this last year, if he'd have said yes to all of those, who would have benefited the most? You? Me? See, we Americans, we're, we're, all, we're all the same. Let me tell you, I mean, we basically are, I mean, the things that we pray about, I don't, I don't know how, to direct, how direct I should be, but they're mostly absurd. And, and I shouldn't say, and I, I don't want to tell you to stop praying any of those prayers. I don't want you to stop praying any of those. I just want you to start maybe thinking about adding to those. Because we're basically the ones who are the beneficiaries of, of our prayers. And, and most of the time, you know, and if you're here and, and you're watching and, and you are not a Jesus follower, you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, um, you can consider your, you get a pass. But all of you who are, who are Jesus followers who, you know, who, who pray, here's the thing. We're just like, and, and God, or Jesus, thank you for the day. And, and, and I would imagine Jesus like, every Christian, thank you for the day. I mean, it's like, I know you're thankful for the day. Could you, could you, could you ask me for something big? Okay, okay, I'm going to ask for something big. Could you keep us safe on, our, uh, on today? Keep us safe today. Put us in a bubble. Um, put bubble wrap around us. Put a helmet on us. Put a hedge around us. Would you, I mean, put us in a dome. Would, I mean, I mean, basically, we just pray about safety, right? I mean, just keep us, keep us safe. I mean, you know, keep us safe on the trip. And I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for keeping people safe. I, 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 that's, that's great. I just want you to add to it, you know? I mean, it's kind of like, sometimes I think God is like, okay, <clears throat> safety on the trip. I mean, you're not really taxing, taxing my, my energy here too much, but put your seatbelt on. Drive the speed limit. All right, I mean, that's going to go a long ways. I mean, I mean, sometimes it's like, God, help me, help me to, on this test. Okay, well, atheists do well on tests. I mean, did you, did you study? Well, no, I didn't study. That's why I need you to help me on the test. Okay, I mean, God, would, would you help my face to clear up by this weekend? I mean, because and, 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 I really need to meet this guy or meet this gal. I mean, some, I mean sometimes I think God is like, oh, ask me something big. Do you understand that you are a part of a movement, a huge movement? The church is a big deal. Not that we're a big church, but the church is big. And if we're going to be on a movement together, it's got to be something way bigger than us because here's what happens when self-centered Christians, self-centered Jesus followers are just simply praying for themselves and you get them all together in the same room and they are a church together, self-centered Jesus followers who are praying self-centered prayers all gathered together end up becoming and doing Weird things together. So <clears throat> we're going to look in Acts chapter 4, and, uh, and if you brought your Bibles, you can open those to Acts chapter 4. If you have it on, on your, you know, version Bible app, um, you, can, you can go there and maybe Dana will turn the lights to a point where you can actually see them. I don't, I don't know. I can't hardly see you, but um, <clears throat> here's the thing. Um, as you're, as, you're, as you're getting there, uh, kind of give you a, a background of, of, of this movement 
that happened uh, on day one. And last week we talked about day one. And Peter and John, Peter, he goes off and he's preaching this message, right? 3,000 people in day one come to faith in Jesus. And this is two months after the resurrection with people, with people who could have said, okay, time out, Peter, <clears throat> follow me. I'll just take you right down to the tomb. I'll take you right down to where, where Jesus' body is. I mean, we can just take you right there. And all of them know that the resurrection happened, and they're just like, I mean, what do we do? And 3,000 people, day one, put their faith in Jesus. And, and Peter is like super direct. He says to them, there is salvation in no one else. I mean, that's a little narrow. That's like really narrow. There is, really, Peter, there is salvation in no one else? God has given no other name under heaven by which we can be saved? I mean, what about just being a good guy? I mean, Moses was a good guy. Abraham was a good guy. I, I think I'm, you know, I think I'm a, a good guy. I think I'm a good girl. I mean, I, I, I don't do anything really bad. I mean, how, shouldn't we broaden it out a little bit? And Peter's like, there is salvation in no one else. And, and then they go and, uh, and, and they're meeting together and Peter and John, they're like the top two people in the church at this, at this time. I mean, they're like, they, the church could not afford to lose Peter and John. And one afternoon... Peter and John head over to the temple, and they're going to pray, and on their way, they find this lame beggar, and uh, we don't really use the word lame anymore. Um, my, kids, my kids are like, oh, yeah, that's so lame, and I'm like, they can't walk? They're like, no, Dad. So and it doesn't really mean the same thing anymore. We don't really use that, but they come across this lame beggar, and uh, and and. And Peter says, hey, I don't have any money to give you, but I'll give you what I have. And, uh, and, and Jesus heals this guy through Peter, and, uh, and all of a sudden, he can stand and he can walk, and he runs into the temple, and there's all kinds of chaos going on. And Peter and John are in the temple. They end up going out of the temple. They're in Solomon's colonnade. Luke records you know, incredible detail. You've got to read it for yourself. Incredible detail in the, cha in, in, in the book of Acts. And uh, in, in, to the point, he's like, and this is about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, uh, and, and pretty soon, all of the people are coming out and gathering around um, Peter and John. And the, and the lame beggar is like holding on to them. He's so excited about being healed. And Peter sees his opportunity. He has no authority to be preaching. But he's like, I'm going to just break out and preach. And guess what he preaches? He starts preaching about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the central message to the movement. And the religious leaders come along and they're like, oh, time out. Whoa, 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 whoa. They end up arresting them. You can't be talking about Jesus here. And so they end up arresting them. And, and, and the rest of the church leaders, the 120 that, that I talked about last week, they're just kind of like, oh, no. I mean, if... Just two months ago, they, they crucified Jesus. The two most important people, they just arrested them. This isn't good. This isn't good. 
And it's so funny because, you know, they start talking to, to the, the, the council, and in the middle of the council, they bring in all of the, the lawyers and, and, uh, and the religious leaders, and Peter just starts laying it on them about the resurrection, and he keeps telling them, he, he keeps telling them, and you crucified him, and you crucified him. And I mean, it's like, woo, maybe you ought to, you know, lay back a little bit. And so this is what happens. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So the religious leaders are like amazed by these guys of their boldness and their ability to speak. And and it's like, woo, what is going on? But since they could see the man had been healed standing right there. In other words, yesterday he wasn't a stander and then he became a stander. He probably stood all night long and he's still standing right there. And so what are they going to say? He's standing right there among them so there was nothing the council could say. So they're just like, Peter and John, just shut up. Quit talking about Jesus and get out of here but we don't want you we don't want to hear you and 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 Peter's like well you're gonna have to do what you got to do and we got to do what we've got to do because we're not going to stop talking about what we have seen with our own eyes and we've heard with our own ears and then when they got back with the rest of their posse, the rest of the 120 that they were a part of last week, the thing that they prayed for is just extraordinary. It's extraordinary what they prayed for because, I mean, if this had been us, we'd have been like, okay, man, we are so fortunate. We are so fortunate that nothing happened to Peter and John because we could not afford to lose them. And, and so here's the thing. Peter and John, we, we, we would have enacted some, some policies, right? I mean, we would have come up with some policies. Peter and John, here's the thing. You can no longer travel together. Wherever you go, John, Peter, you can't go. Because we can't, I mean, if we lose one of you, we lose one of you. But we can't lose both of you. So you, you, you can't travel together any longer, okay? And, and, and here's the thing. We need, to, we need to invest in a fleet of tricked-out Escalades, like these black super limo, you know, chariot deals. I mean, and we need to have some guys with, with black suits and, and sunglasses and, and these wires hanging out of there. We need some security, right? Because we can't afford to lose these guys. And, and here's the thing, Peter and John... Quit telling them that they crucified. I was like, you got to tone down the rhetoric a little bit. Hey, let's just knock off the resurrection deal, all that talk, and you know, and you crucified him. Let's, you know, John, you 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 know, you had a sermon about love one time. Just just let's just stick with love for a little bit. And Peter, I know peace is hard for you and your temperament and everything, but hey, um, maybe you could talk about peace and love, and let's just talk about that for a while and just kind of tone down the rhetoric. It's so interesting, because when Peter and John meet with the rest of them, Luke records for us the first prayer that was recorded in the church. You ready for this? This is incredible. 
When they heard, they being all of the, the, the John and Peter's posse and the, the 120, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God, and this is their prayer. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. In other words, God, we are just going to acknowledge right here in front of everyone that you are sovereign. And every single one of you crossing, and if you're watching online right now in our nation, you need to know this, that our God is sovereign. And no matter how chaotic it gets, and no matter how ugly it gets, and no matter how much persecution there becomes, and no, how, no matter how bad it becomes, you have got to remember that, oh, sovereign God, creator of heaven and earth, we understand that you are in control of it all. And we do not need to worry. And we do not need to fret. And we could trust you, God, because we know that you are sovereign. And everything works according to your plan. See, you spoke long ago, they start talking about this, the Old Testament prophecy. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. <laughs> In other words, they thought they had a plan. They thought that they were executing. And, and, and God was, had the sovereign plan. In fact, this has happened this fulfillment of this prophecy has happened right here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. In other words, this all happened According to your sovereign will, there's nothing that happens that God isn't in control of, that he's not aware of. And no, that doesn't excuse us from not being a part of the movement. And then they get to, this is what we want. So, so Jesus, you fulfill prophecy. Everything is a part of your sovereign will and your plan. We acknowledge that. It is so much bigger. We are to make our plans, do our best, but you know what? At the end of the day, you are sovereign. And so here's what we ask. This is incredible. This is so great. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, this is what we want, give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. <laughs> okay, time. Isn't that why you're in trouble? Peter and John, isn't that why you got arrested? Peter and John, isn't that why you were in jail? We almost lost you because you were being bold. I think you have that covered. I don't think you need to be praying for boldness. You are bold. And they're praying, God, would you make us even more bold in preaching your word? Have you ever in your life prayed for boldness? 
Have you ever in your life prayed that, God, there's, there's this person, you've put them on my mind, I just feel like you want me to talk to them, and I ran into this the other day, I, I, I sold this, I, I discovered something, I sold this rustic cabinet, um, apparently if you put rustic in front of anything you want to sell, everybody wants it, I, did, I didn't know that, um, because I was trying to sell a desk, and nobody wanted the desk, but, but I, I, I think I'm going to list them again and say it's a rustic desk, and then everybody will want it, but so everyone wanted this, and so this couple, they, they, they come pick up this, this deal that we, we had, and, uh, and so I, I talked to them a little bit, and they live north of Kozad, and, and, and the Spirit of God is just like, you should invite them to church. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know them. <laughs> so I didn't. I had a chance to be bold, and I didn't do it. See, every single time, every single day, God will probably give you opportunities to be bold, if you're looking for it. And the question is, will we, will we step into it? Or not? Are we looking for it? Or are we just inward focused, praying for ourselves? God, protect us. Put us in a dome. Put us in bubble wrap. Are we praying for boldness? The other thing they prayed for, they stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Have you ever prayed that God would would stretch out his healing hand his, and do a miraculous thing. Like, oh, no, I don't go to one of those churches. <laughs> no, no, no. See, here's where this, this verse has gone wrong. We Christians, we Jesus followers, we have taken this verse and we, we do this weird thing and we've brought it inside of a building. And we do this with church people. In fact, it's just kind of weird. In fact, that's why some of you don't really think too much about the church, and maybe some of you that are watching are like, that's why I don't go to church, because, you know, this preacher does this weird thing, and poof, you, you know, be healed, and it's a miracle, you know, it's unbelievable. And then they ask you for money. This was never to be an insider-focused verse. It was always to be, God... I really want to talk to this person about Jesus. I, I, I want to talk to them, but I'm telling you what, they're so hard-hearted. You're just going to have to do something. You're going to have to do something so big, so miraculous to them that it's like, whoa, that you just get their attention. Would you be willing to do that? And then give me some boldness to step in after you do that. That's what it's about. Pray that way. See, <clears throat> the way that we pray as a church... It will indicate whether we have strayed, whether we're outward focused or inward focused. And here's the thing, you and I, we see what we're looking for. So if we're praying that way, we will be looking that way. So crossing, come on, those of you who are watching, come on, we need you a part of the movement. Our nation needs a movement of God like it has never needed before. And he has asked us, he's invited us to be a part of it.
So let's get after it. And let's start paying attention. I want you to pray all of those other things that you're praying for is fine, but add to it. God, would you give me boldness? And would you stretch out your hand to do something so big that everyone would look and say, that has to be God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the ways that you have shown up and you have done unbelievable, miraculous things through this church. And God, we ask you for us as a church that that we would take this to heart and we would begin praying in a way that would be so outward focused. And we would be praying for great boldness, not weirdness, God, not, not bumper sticker stuff, but God, boldness in a way that says, hey, we're, we're for you, we are not against you. But there's just something that's happened in, in, in my life, and I, I just got to share it with you. And God, would you stretch out your hand with healing and miraculous power in a way that people would just step back and say, I didn't believe in God, but I, I, there's no other explanation for that. So God, I pray that we would be a church that is a part of a movement in this city and around Cozad and around Eustace Farnham, and around Brady, and around Arnold. God, in that target area, would you help us to really be a part of your church? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Glad you joined us today and just talking about the church and how big as a universal church all over the all the world we are a part of something so much bigger than um, who comes here on a Sunday or who listens in on a Sunday and so that's exciting um, when you were talking about this a few years ago as a family we were really encouraged in this and so one day we prayed as a family that God would give us an opportunity to love on somebody we didn't know And we literally went to lunch right after that. And um, what I love about God is he often makes it so easy for us that we're like, oh, oh, okay, that's what you want us to do. And this other family sitting at a table right next to us, um, the mom leaned over and she said something about how cute one of our kids was. And I mean, we all knew that instant. These are the people we're supposed to love. And so we started loving on them. They're from another country. And... um, so God just gave us this cool opportunity, and he hit us smack dab in the face with that. With that. And yeah. so how would you um, even recommend, like, h- how to pray expecting that God's going to do it, and, and what do you do with that? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the last slide, we, we certainly see the things we're looking for. And, and so, so many times when we're praying selfishly, we're looking selfishly. And when you begin to turn and pray, and that's my challenge to you, is you would turn and pray and then just look. So I, I think it's being intentional. Intentionality in anything is the easiest, most difficult thing in the world to do. So being able to, to pray that way and then just through your day be looking, and, and I think God does make it obvious. Um, and then I think 
you know, the Spirit of God will just speak to you. It's like, okay, here's what I want you to do, and then just follow, follow through like I didn't do uh, this last week. So. Um, so in that, I think that when we have prayed that, when I have prayed that, it's true. Like a lot of the times those opportunities are out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And so I think part of the prayer has to be, God, make me willing to take the opportunity, you know, in the scripture in Acts where it talks about boldness, that is the scary part. Yeah. And again, God's going to provide, help us with that, but it does, it is us having to trust yes. him that he's got us. And have you had an opportunity, have you had a time where you fell flat on your face? You were, you did act in boldness and it went horribly wrong or not. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I'm yeah, trying to I think mean, of that. There's been some times when I was bold and I and I invited and they never came. Yeah. You know? But I felt like, okay, I did what God asked me to do. And so I felt good about it that I that I followed through. Um, even though it didn't end maybe the way that I wanted. And for all I know, you know, those people maybe that was a seed that was planted that someone else is gonna water and and uh and they'll 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 be reached in a, in a different way, but um, so yeah, I, there's been some some opportunities that you know. Again, I think you come back and trust God's sovereign plan and realize that to me is a huge piece, and it's so comforting for me to know, you know, even when I did, I felt like I dropped the ball this last week, and I had an opportunity to invite, and I didn't do it, and then it's like, Dad, gum it, you know it. Um, I can still trust God's sovereign plan. He's got a backup that's maybe a little better than Eric and uh, is going gonna, is gonna to come along. So, Yeah, the, the family that we got to be friends with, they still aren't believers. Mm-hmm. And so I could look at that and be like, ah, we maybe didn't say the right things. But it is so comforting to know that God's got them and we still love them and that is... Um, what God asked us to do. He didn't ask us to save them. That's his job. And so thankful for that. So we're praying for all of you that you would have boldness this week, that God would um, give you an opportunity and that you'd ask for it and be looking for it. So um, have a great week and hope God can use you in somebody's life this week. See you next week.